it's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Middle-Aged Men podcast where we discuss all things middle-aged. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, you know, uh, really excited to connect with you today on the Virtuous Heroes podcast and uh, just easing the tension a little bit this morning. Uh, I know uh, just from uh, doing some background information on you, uh, just really impressed with uh, what you've been able to accomplish in your career. For those of uh, our guests listening today that that don't know your background, can you uh, you know kick us off with the first question, which is, who are you? I'm Kevin Bolding, President and CEO for the YMCA of Central Florida. <laughs> uh, I've been here now for about six months um, and getting adjusted to a new community. Uh, I am dad of a beautiful little nine-year-old crazy girl. Uh, I am a half-crazed fantasy football player um, and a struggling golfer. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, well, you said uh, nine-month-old baby girl. Oh, gosh. I say nine-month. Uh, nine-year-old. Nine years. Sorry. You probably did. I just i am hard at hearing at times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife, Hannah, and I are expecting. and uh, <sighs> Wonderful. I have, uh, I have two boys from a prior marriage. They're nine and seven. Well, no, now ten, he just turned 10 on the 27th. So 10 and seven-year-old boys. And, uh, you know, with the Fred house that we've been running over here, we've just been praying that we would have a, a baby girl to be able to, you know, uh, impart some wisdom into our family. Um, yes. so, so that's awesome. Uh, you know, granted, I'm blessed with a, with a, with a daughter, what can you tell me about being uh, being the the father over a girl since I have no experience in that domain? Girl dads rule. I think um, being having a daughter. Now, granted, I don't have a son, so I don't have the comparison. But I'll tell you, man, it's having a daughter is really what it's all about. It's it's this amazing little force that's in your life that forces you to look through things through a lens that we as men just don't look at every day. Um, watching her grow, and I think this is the same with being a parent in general, but watching her grow and watching her become this little lady in front of us has just been amazing. Um, so and enjoy that ride. It's 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 phenomenal. Um, the other thing that we that you hear, and you've probably heard this before, is when you get old, it's great having daughters. Um, your sons, they'll send the money to put you in the home. Your daughters are the ones that'll take care of you, though. <laughs> it's you gotta have a daughter, and it's the best thing in the world. Well, thank you for for sharing, and uh, yeah, that that's excellent. And we are. Uh, we, we were at first thinking that we weren't going to find out the sex, but I think we're not going to be able to wait out the, the rest yeah. of the eight months. Yeah. So yeah. When the, I, I think it's a little bit further down the uh, pregnancy, but so, so thank you for encouraging me and inspiring me in that way, Kevin. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to the leadership position that you're in today? Sure, sure. You know, I've, I, I don't believe any of us get to where we are completely on our own. It's, um, if uh, we've all been blessed to have a number of coaches or mentors or great bosses or 
pastors or all the different people in our lives that help to make us the people who we are. And I was just sharing with someone um, yesterday, uh, you know, you always get asked the question of, well, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up, when, when you were young, when you were growing up? I always thought that I wanted to be the milkman. The milkman, when I was growing up, was the coolest guy in the world. We were, I was living in D.C. We were living in an apartment building and a milkman would come in and drop off the milk. He drove around this cool truck. He had this cool, you know, white outfit. He was always crisp and clean. He was always smiling. I remember that guy always smiling, always happy. And I said, well, I want to be something. I want to do something where I'm always smiling and always happy. <laughs> and through the eyes of a, the, you know, the lens of a five, six, seven, eight-year-old, that's what you start to see. So, you know, I was, I've, I've had the pleasure, the great benefit of being influenced by lots of great people along my life um, who have helped me to get to where I am and helped me to kind of create the person that I am that's beyond the title. Now, from a title standpoint, um, I've been in a CEO role now for, uh, I guess now going on six years. Um, prior to coming to uh, Orlando, I was in the Pittsburgh Association, Pittsburgh YMCA Association, um, and was there for 12 years. But um, as some of us do in the Y, I've been around a little bit. Um, I started off in Virginia. Virginia is my home. Um, I, you know, was born in D.C., but primarily raised in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. Um, I got introduced to the YMCA there after another job right out of school. Um, but I started in this work, this work of kind of community service, youth service, youth building, um, because I just believe we're put here on this planet to make a difference, especially in the lives of kids. Uh, so I was running an after-school enrichment program for minority sixth graders. I absolutely loved that work uh, coming out of school. It was great. It was fulfilling. Probably wasn't making the most money amount of money at all, but I loved every minute of the work that I was doing. And in doing that work, I did that for two years. I was trying to figure out what to do next. Um, I was at a crossroads of potentially going to work within the local school district um, or starting to make a move into the Y. The, my local YMCA in my city, uh, in Lynchburg, there were essentially two YMCAs. There was the traditional YMCA that most of us know about. And then there was um, the Y that my mom and aunts and uncles grew up. And it was a Y that was, that when Lynchburg was still segregated, it was the only Y that you could go to if you were an African-American. Um, so that was the Y that was in my community. Um, that I ended up having an opportunity to go work for. And when I was at that crossroads of trying to figure out what to do, I remember talking to a friend of mine, um, a guy named James. And I said, well, James, I'm trying to figure out which job to take, which, which one to go. Do I go the more secure route of being a teacher or do I go work for this non-for-profit leading up this little small why? I don't know how to lead a why, regardless of the size of it. And I told him what I was thinking, and I, I was thinking about this song um, that he and I used to sing when we were in the gospel choir at University of Virginia. And the song said, stand up for right, join in the fight, be a soldier for Jesus. And it talked about how um, communities were under the siege of war and you had to step in to help. Um, and I was telling him about this. 
And he was quiet on the other end of the phone. And I said, well, James, are you listening to me? He said, man, I'm listening. He said, you know, God's talking to you. You're not listening. So I'm going to shut up. I don't want to make any more noise. (laughs) So I went after the job the next day. And the rest of it has been um, almost kind of picture book. I, um, I started working for the Y, running this small, itty-bitty little YMCA. Um, we were open from 11 until 7, and me and the other full-time program staff member, we then cleaned it every day. Um, and I just thought, that's just the way things were supposed to be, and I loved it. Um, once again, it wasn't about money. It was about the fact that I felt that we were making a difference in that community. My community wasn't just some random community. It was my community. And I knew those kids who were coming in that Y. So I did that for a couple of years. I got introduced to the larger Y, met some people um, who said, hey, we want to you know, help you get an opportunity here or help you get an opportunity there and some great coaching along the way. And that led to an opportunity in, uh, in, in, in Detroit. Uh, I was in Detroit for 10 years. I thought I was going to go there for three. Um, you know, I thought when I got there, oh, dear God, I've moved 10 hours away from the closest family that I have. If I can only survive three years, then I'll move back closer. Well, three years quickly turned into 10. Um, did some really good stuff there. Met some extremely great people there. Um, but as all things happened, there was a time for a change, need, a need for a change. And so I wanted someplace that looked nothing like Detroit in my next stop. Um, landed in Miami, looks nothing like Detroit. Um, uh, was in Miami for three years through some progressive leadership opportunities there, running different size. Uh, all of this has been with the YMCA. Um, my wife, she and I had just met right before I left um, Detroit. Um, she came down about a year and a half into my time in Miami. We wanted to start a family. We wanted to get married, but we realized that we just wanted to do it in a different place other than Miami. Um, so this wonderful opportunity came up in Pittsburgh. Um, we had a great stay in Pittsburgh for 12 years. Never thought I'd be in Pittsburgh for 12 years, but it turned into a place where it was a great place for us. It was a great place for family, which was, a, which was what we wanted. Um, our daughter was born there. Um, and now these last few years, uh, well, these last few months here in Orlando, um, so it's been great. It's at the forefront of it all for me has been uh, what's the best place for my family to be, whether it's the family that we wanted to start or the family that we have. Um, but but as I will kind of wrap it, the the important thing for me along the way or the thing that really helped me get to where I have been now is there have been so many people that poured into me over these years. Um, so many people that kind of shepherded my my progress along the way to help me to not make some of the mistakes that they made or to help to build on um, the great things that they've been able to do. Yeah. So two things came to mind when you were talking through that. The first is, you know, in, in the old Testament, Nehemiah who rebuilds the city walls that whenever you're stationed in your, when when you're making an impact for fortifying a city and, and doing community building when it's your own community, it's that much more impactful to want it to dive in and do that work. So I think that, you know, it really resonated with me as you were talking about the, the first leadership role that you had at, at the Y. 
And then the other thing that uh, came to mind was just thinking about, as you mentioned, like, you know, you went up to Detroit, you didn't, you thought you were going to be there three years, you stayed there 10 and you met your wife there. It's interesting. The sometimes that we, we get sent into assignments where we're thinking it's one thing, but God has other plans for our lives. Absolutely. Uh, And then the last thing is that, you know, you moved around quite, uh, I mean, you've got to see many parts of our country, I'm kind of a lot more boring in that I've really just been through in Illinois uh, throughout the majority of my life. So just thinking about, you know, the executives that may be listening today that that are, you know, either in the middle of being reassigned to another part of the country. um, What what advice could you give, uh, Kevin, for the sake of people that, you know, are are moving to a new town and Mm -hmm. and being able to get acclimated to the community? Well, I, th- I think there's two pieces to that question. Um, so the, the first piece is the advice towards the move. The second piece is the advice towards the getting acclimated. I think the first piece on the move, um, I think you've got to be intentional about all of your different stops that you will try to make. Um, you have to have a career plan in place. Um, for me, I knew I knew what level of influence I wanted to have in in an organization, not necessarily fixated on title, but I knew I wanted to have a certain degree of influence in the organization. And to a certain degree, obviously, it does say that you need to have a certain position in an organization, but not specifically you have to be in the CEO seat. And so in doing so, my career track has been with a mindset that each level that I try to progress through, that I've tried to progress through in the movement, and we always say in YMCA, the movement, it's, it's, it's always been what they plan. It's understanding that as I am at more of a grassroots level, those stints can be a little shorter. They can be a three to five year stint. Um, whereas when you're starting to make a move at middle to upper management levels, at least in my organization, there is an there is an understanding that you should be in those roles for five to seven plus years because it takes that amount of time to have the impact that you want to have on your organization. So if you look at that and say, all right, if I'm here and I want to get to here, and you know both when you start your career and when you want to end it, then it becomes a mathematical formula of saying, well, I can make X number of moves to get to this place by the time that I want to retire. So I think that's the first piece is having this strategy in place around around making sure that your moves aren't just frivolous moves, that your moves have some intentionality behind them. I think the second piece around, well, how do you start to get indoctrinated and acclimated to a community? Um, You know, I believe I I don't I don't move to a community that I don't want to be a part of. Um, Now, I tell you, my mom, my mom really struggles to understand this whole thing. My mom is the type where, Kevin, you get someplace and you just stay there. You just you're there for life. Um, my brother would say probably the same thing. My brother can't understand the moves that I've made. He just wants, he would love to move to where I am, but he's afraid that I'll leave <laughs> once, once he gets there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I enjoy getting to know new people and new cultures and new cities. 
I enjoy being able to find my way around new places. Um, and so I think if you can go into a city with the mindset that you're going to go there and enjoy the entirety of the city, um, both the, the pretty parts and the parts that are not so pretty, um, I think you have to go there with that mindset. You can't just go there and think, well, I'm just going to go there really with no plan of how long I'm going to be there. And then I'm just going to stay in my rental unit um, and not come out. And not that rental units are bad, but if you're, especially people who are thinking, well, I'm just going to get a corporate place or whatever and just kind of stay there. No, um, get involved, get acclimated, get, get adjusted, be a part of the community, have some purpose, some, some fun with the opportunity beyond what you do from nine to five or, or beyond. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You wanna be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riverlightchicago.org. Again, riverlightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Awesome. Well, lots of wisdom there. And uh, also, yeah, just helping my own self, you know, uh, walking into Spirit Consulting, having bought out my book of business from my father and, and launching this management consultancy in, in 2018, which, you know, uh, later this year is going to put me, uh, you know, into like the middle tier of what you had talked about of the five to seven year, yeah. uh, timeframe. And, um, yeah, just thinking about just that own journey and, and how to, you know, um, be kind to yourself for like, that sometimes we don't always uh, can execute as swiftly as we may be hoping, but it, it is like that. I could see how what you're saying of the five to seven year to really be able to like make that impact and impression on the organization that you're looking to as you're at the higher ranks within an organization. So that was uh, very helpful. And, and thank you for sharing that. Uh, so before we dive into the virtue pieces and, and more into your work at the YMCA of Central Florida, want to kind of talk through some of your struggles in leadership. What have been some of the, the vices that you're either uh, overcoming now or you've overcome in your life in order to be the leader that you are, Kevin? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think it's, you know, once again, none of us got here alone. alone. Um, and I think none of us got to where we're, got to the places that we are without some type of hurdle to cross it over, over the time. You know, I, I, I think back to, gosh, uh, I am a notorious procrastinator. I, it's probably one of the worst. Um, but there's something about that pressure, that pressure to deliver on a fixed timeline that brings out the best in me. <clears throat> now, the people who I work around, um, they absolutely hate it. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I put out a, um, a monthly, um, I hate to say newsletter because it's, I think newsletters are just boring. So I put out a, a monthly, um, almost blog-ish type thing that, that goes out to all of our members, all of our team members, just really all of our different supporters. Um, 
And our communications department helps me to make sure that it gets sent out through all the different people that it needs to go to. Um, But they depend upon me, obviously, to write it. I love writing it, but there's something about, I can't write that thing in advance. I just can't. (laughs) Um, They'd love for me to do that so they could figure out what other imagery they want to put with it based upon the theme that I'm writing. But there's something about knowing that this first Friday piece that goes out, um, somewhere around that first Thursday evening, (laughs) it, it all clicks. Um, so I am a number one, I am a notorious procrastinator. I think the second one that I put out there as advice, one that I'm working through and, but one that I'm still, I still struggle with. Um, I trust too quickly on one hand. Um, and I am hard to forgive people who break that trust. Uh, so I know that on the trust side, I should, I should definitely scrutinize a bit more those to try to make sure that the trust is deserved. Uh, Maybe if I did that, then I wouldn't be as hard on the people who break the trust. Um, But yeah, I've, you know, we all have our issues. Those are mine. (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, I feel like I've, you know, throughout the the life of the podcast kind of talked about all sorts of my issues and dysfunctions (laughs) in my life that I've had to overcome. I think one of the ones that I'm really struggling with in your just that has been brought to my attention is like we we had a uh, we adopted a, a pug puppy in August mm. and first first uh, real pet that I've had in my life yeah. and and uh, so in in watching the dog and the way that she always no matter what is just so excited when people like enter into her sphere yeah. it's just yeah. so so inspiring and something that I would love to be but. The truth of the matter is if I've got issues going on or work problems that I'm addressing, like sometimes when my kids come home, I'm not that type of loving person. That's like totally just like so excited and, and uh, just being able to be present in the moment of the gift of life that's in front of you. And uh, so that's something that I've been uh, working on of like trying to intentionally be you know, joyful and present in the moment when, when my loved ones are, are being able to enter in the room um, and a work in progress. But as, as you were talking about uh, procrastination, the thing that came to my mind, Kevin, is that, you know, it seems to be that if you're giving a, a blog on the month, it's, you know, obviously you're a present person. And so you want to, you want to live it. And, it, and, Ultimately, if you're just too focused on writing what is going on, it's hard for you to really be present in those moments to experience the the highs and lows of what you're experiencing mm-hmm. from from your time at the Y. So being able to just like really live it, so then at the end of the month that you have the opportunity to to be able to talk about what you've been experiencing at a deep level. So I can understand that, but I, I sympathize with you in that. And then as it <laughs> relates to uh, trusting too quickly. Um, yeah. Uh, is there, can you think about, and, and obviously I'm not looking for you to kind of just like bust people in particular, but can you maybe give us an example for those that may not be resonating here of where, where like this, this quick trust has led to you being burned? Yeah. You know, I, I think the, the best example that I could give is, is I, I think I do a really good job of reading people. I think I I do a really good job of understanding 
um, how people are wired, how people are driven, driven, what motivates people and how to connect to people. Um, now, in, in doing that, um, sometimes, especially in the work environment, that's just not enough. That's just not enough to, to create the foundation of a working relationship. In the work environment, I think there also has to be, especially at higher levels of, of influence in an organization, there also has to be some kind of proof in the pudding. There also has to be some proof of being able to deliver on some objective, some outcome. So that's where, that's where I've, I've, I've definitely slipped in the past. I've had people in my sphere who I just felt a good connection with. Um, I felt that, hey, this person's a good person at heart, at mind, um, a good person that I can now start to bring closer into um, my, my space and closer into how I might trust them to get X, Y, and D, X, y and Z done. Um, but there have been times where that perception of who a person is um, hasn't been the same amount of time that I might spend on trying to ascertain that perception of that person, of how they're wired, how they're driven, um, the quality of who they are as a person. I haven't put the same amount of time on trying to understand exactly how they deliver upon a a, a, a product around some objective at work. Um, and then that's what causes the problem. I've, and for me, I think part of the issue around um, being hard to forgive sometimes is I've given, I've given that person so much credit. I've given so much of myself, I believe, in, in establishing that relationship and trying to understand who they are that it's, it hurts me when, when they don't deliver. Now, others might approach it in a completely opposite way of saying, no, let me see how you deliver. Let me see how you perform at work. Um, let me see how you can hit this objective and that objective. And then from that point on, then, then everything will move forward. It's probably a safer way, at least in a work environment. Um, but in a YMCA environment, um, where so much of what we do is about heart. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I lead heart first and sometimes mine comes behind it and I've got to find a way to make sure that I at least bring both of them along a, a similar trajectory. Well, as long as we're on that topic, can you tell us a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish at the YMCA of Central Florida and why is that important? Yeah. You know, it's here. Um, I was attracted to this opportunity because this Y has this tremendous brand, both in the community um, of, of Central Florida, as well as this tremendous brand within, uh, within our Y, within the, the larger YMCA of the, of the USA movement. Um, this Y has grown, has done some great things, has, a, has established itself in multiple communities here. Um, and so all of that work is tremendously um, 
inspirational to me. What I see is my opportunity here is to try to take that foundation of work now and elevate it, um, especially with the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic on our organization. We're at a place now where we have to start to reinvent ourselves. Um, the pandemic cut our revenues in half. The pandemic and the impact of the pandemic made us cut our staff levels in half, made us have to walk away from some of the facilities that we had that were serving some of the communities that we were in. Um, our commitment at the time when some of those sites had to be closed is that we, we were closing a facility, but not necessarily walking away from a community. So we have to be more creative now. And that's what I look forward to doing now is trying to find a more creative way, a more sustainable way to be equally as impactful in communities now that don't have a standing physical presence um, as we are impactful in a community with a building with a, that, that has a physical presence. That, that forces us to be much more creative. It forces us to be much more entrepreneurial. You know, we have to operate with this, this, this dual bottom line mindset of making sure that we can operate in the black and do what we have to do so we can invest in our people, invest in our communities, invest in our assets. But we also have to do so with this mission-focused mindset, um, trying, to, trying to manage both the mission and the money of this work is incredibly important to me, um, but it's, the, it's that type of work that defines us as a why, not just some other type of organization that's out there trying to simply make profit. So as you were saying about, you know, having to be innovative and in, in the, during an economic challenge, can you maybe talk about some of the things that you're doing in order to counterbalance those limitations? Yeah, we, and, and, and some of this is not, is not new news, especially for my nonprofit peers. Um, but, but it's a different way of us thinking here, I'll say it that way. Um, we understand now that we have to take this mindset of, um, of a why without walls so much of our work in the past has been so facility driven that understanding that if we had a facility, then now we can deliver this, these programs and services to the community. We're trying to flip that completely on its head now. Um, the old days of creating multiple YMCAs and multiple communities are just that now, old days. Um, when we, when we, what's different for the Y is when we add a building into a community, we're making essentially a covenant with that community for a 30, 40, 50 year engagement out of that fixed location. Communities are changing greatly. Um, you know, I can't imagine too many communities where you could say, all right, I'm gonna put a fixed dot right here because this community around that dot serves our needs and we can serve those needs and then know and feel comfortable with 30 to 40 years later that those same needs are going to be there, that we're still going to be the relevant type of organization for that. So we're trying to figure out now, how can we be more forward thinking? How can we be more forward thinking and understanding that communities change, 
that we have to be more malleable in, in, in what our program delivery models are going to be. We have to be more future forward on what our program models are going to be. We understand now that a big change for us is we have taken this mindset that we have a product, we try to give people this all-inclusive product, and then price it in a way that works for that community. Well, that sounds fine, but in today's world, people want customization. Um, you can't go to a car wash without the, agree, without the ability to pick six different options for how you want your car washed. <laughs> so a Y membership is a similar type of commodity that we've got to give people the ability to customize it that's unique for them and their community, them and their family. How, how we interface with a family of, you know, a nuclear family, mom, dad, three, four, five kids or so is completely different from how we might interact with uh, a mom, single mom with one child or the, or the 22 year old who's just starting in the workspace and, and struggling with, with college debt. So we can't give people a singular product and expect them to expect that to serve all when we know that all looks so different today. So it's for us, the change is about, it's about being forward looking. The change is about customization. The change is about understanding that if we can do all of that through the lens of, 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 of our customer and, and at the same time invest heavily in our people, then we should be able to be more successful going forward. Yeah, it reminds me a lot. I was actually talking with a colleague this morning on just like what what uh, he had done last night, and we were talking about television and the way that the internet is just breaking down that that industry. And it sounds like a, a similar challenge in that you know you can go to Hulu now, and you can go to independent like you know sporting uh, like whether that be the NBA or the NHL or the NFL, and get sports packages there instead of. Right just getting your nuclear, like, okay, I'm going to pay a hundred something odd a month for this television package. And that's what it is. You can break that part in so many different avenues at this point. It sounds like, you know, a similar challenge as, as, as the different segments of customers that you're serving and how you have to be mindful about that to be, to be relevant. But thinking Kevin too, like, you know, why is that important to be providing these programs and why does that matter to you? It matters to me and it matters to the why, because for us, mission, mission is at the forefront of everything. Um, we were founded not on the principles of trying to get people to work out more um, or, or around how many miles can you do on your spin bike. <laughs> um, the, at the center of the why, it's all about building communities and investing in communities and finding ways to make people stronger, spiritually, mentally, physically. Um, and so when we look at things through that lens, it creates a whole different set of priorities that sometimes can be fairly unique for, for our business. Um, you know, I've, I've given thought over the years to doing something outside of why. Um, I thought, man, if I only had to worry about just making sure that my organization made money, the decisions I would have to make at work would be so much easier. <laughs> um, but when you're focused on making sure that you are 
serving the community, when you're focused on making sure that that type of work is at the forefront, um, sometimes you make some really odd business decisions. Um, you make odd decisions on the types of communities that you choose to invest in. Um, some would say some businesses would never invest in a certain type of community because they don't see the return on investment. For us, the return on investment is in people and in how you're helping those people live better, live happier. Um, so the work for us is important because it's, it's, how we, it's how we put mission at the forefront. That's the work that drives us. That's the work that we're rooted in. Um, that's the work that will always keep us unique. Um, that's the work that, that keeps us as YMCA staff members. And I would say almost any nonprofit staff member, that's the work that keeps those people coming in. It's, it's definitely not because of salaries. You come in and you do the work that you do because that mission drives you to be successful and impactful in your community. So, so Kevin, what is the uh, biggest challenge that you're facing presently, either in your own life or through through the why? And from this yeah. answer, I would love to launch into prayer. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, biggest struggles. Um, professionally, we know we have to pivot our organization um, fairly quickly much more quickly than what we're accustomed to doing. Um, I don't like to name that particular ship that was slow to turn, um, but we're a lot like that infamous ship that was very slow to turn. We're a big organization. We have been doing this work for 175 years across the different communities that we serve. Um, and sometimes when you're that type of an organization with that type of a history, it's difficult to make the quick pivots that you need to make, especially with the things that are driving it, like what we see here through the pandemic. Um, so my, on the professional side, my biggest challenge is how do, I, how do I get an organization of this size, with this track record, with this momentum going in a certain direction to now pivot in that direction kind of on a dime? Um, I think we can do it. I know we can do it. It's just going to be incredibly challenging at times. Um, personally, um, I think the big challenge is trying to enjoy every day. Um, uh, the beautiful thing about uh, uh, the, uh, my wonderful staff members here, as we talk about the different challenges that we have, they often say, well, Kevin, man, you're, you're just smiling every day. How do you just keep smiling? How do you stay so optimistic? And I just keep telling, sun's still shining. <laughs> sun's still shining. Um, you can't live in a place like South Florida and or Central Florida and see this sunshine and see this beauty and then come to work with a frown. <laughs> um, so one of our reasons for moving here was to be able to take advantage of every day a bit more um, and not let work and the other distractions that adulting <laughs> forces us to have. Um, so I, I, we try to be intentional about what we do. We plan our 
fun family Fridays and we have our bike rides downtown to go get ice cream. And um, we, we're, we do that as a family. We need to do it a whole lot more. Um, but that's the other big struggle for me, trying to make sure that we take advantage and enjoy this beautiful thing we have called life. Awesome. So, uh, Father God, we uh, thank you for the opportunity to have fellowship in the oasis uh, that you provide in the middle of our work days. Father, I just pray in Jesus's name that you would send the, uh, the people and the resources that Kevin needs in order to be able to turn his ship. And that, Lord, that you would just continue to walk with him uh, as you walked with Moses face to face that you would show him those divine strategies that we need in our lives in order to be able to be life-giving to other people, especially when you're in the business of taking care of people, you know, physically, uh, uh, spiritually, and, and emotionally. And Father, I also pray that you would, you would, you would, uh, you are the way maker, Lord, and that you would, you would make a way for uh, Kevin and, and uh, his family to to really make sure that they're making those investments in each other, and being able to you know put put work aside to be able to have those deep levels of connection and family because it's it's at that place of strength and rest that you're able to even work the hardest. Um, you know, Saint Paul had said, "Take you know, Lord, take this uh, you know thorn out of my side three times and." God said no, because where you're weak, I am strong. And so, Lord, we just, we thank you for the opportunity that we have, that when we get, when we get that scripture into our souls to recognize that we don't have to do anything, that, that you are our beloved father who just wants to pour down your love and blessings upon us, that the, the more that we accept our weaknesses and, and realize that even despite our weaknesses, that, that you still sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we can have abundant lives, that, that we can come to a place of acceptance and gratitude for our weaknesses, because in our weaknesses, you are strong, God. And so, Father, I, I just pray all this uh, through the mighty name of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, for, for Kevin and the work that he's doing to, to bring your kingdom here on earth. And uh, yeah, Kevin, just uh, thank you so much for being on the Virtuous Heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership. Had so much fun being able to connect with you, learn more about the work that you're doing. And uh, yeah, many blessings to you and look forward to continuing the dialogue with you as well. Thank you. Love being here. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.